Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Can Steal That, the true crime podcast that's never too heavy. I'm your host, Pete Stegmeyer. Before we get started with today's episode, uh, I just want to make a couple quick announcements. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to everybody that's sharing the podcast, reviewing it, rating it, um, and just subscribing, like doing anything to support the podcast. You guys have been so helpful. We're growing every single week. And it's amazing to see. So thank you so much for your support on that. The second uh, issue that I wanted to bring up real quick is a few months back, I, I mentioned that I had gotten a book deal for the podcast and would be writing a basically like a coffee table book of like famous heists throughout the world. And I've been working on that for the past God, like six months or so now, maybe a little longer. And I'm almost done with it. I'm like so close and so I'm going to be taking probably two to three weeks off just to really hammer home uh, this last bit and get my manuscripts uh, completely submitted. I got the first uh, I got the first uh, sample back from the designers, and it looks amazing. Like it blew me away. So I'm really really excited for everybody to be able to see it. I'm excited to finish it. Like that really motivated me because I was getting a little burnt out, if I'm being honest, and. I'm just so excited to to be done with it. So I want to just take these next couple of weeks to really focus on that. I'm going to try to put out episodes because I'm I'm kind of addicted to this. You guys are just too fun to to not like make me want to produce content every week. But my primary focus will be the uh, the book for the next two three weeks. And once that's done, I have some incredible guests lined up, like guests that you've like definitely seen, uh, professional athletes, um, people that you've seen in, you know, some TV shows, movies, things like that. It's going to be really cool. Like I, the, the level of guest is like trending upward very significantly. And I can't wait for you guys to, to get to see who I've got lined up for the show. But with that out of the way, um, let's go ahead and get into today's heist. I'm going to be doing this one solo, but this is a really important heist and there's a lot of cool history behind it um, because this one, this heist is, is pretty impactful, especially in the art world. And so let's, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Today, we are going to be talking about the 1911 heist of the Mona Lisa. So here we go. Early on the morning of August 21st, 1911, three men slowly open the door of an art supply closet in the Louvre and they walk out like they had spent the night in this closet and they make their way down to the salon car and look up at the uh, familiar face of the Mona Lisa. They lift the painting, its frame and a protective glass case off of the wall and then pretty quickly disassemble the glass case and remove the wooden canvas from the from the glass case and from the frame. So now they've just got the wooden canvas. And it is interesting to note that the Mona Lisa is painting it painted on wood, not like traditional canvas materials. But that was pretty common at the time. So after covering the uh, the painting with a blanket, they run out of the front door of the Louvre. And they board a 7.47 a.m. train at Quai d'Orsay uh, with the painting in hand. And so it's a pretty, pretty simple heist, like the way that they're able to, to pull it off. And But today, like, 
it's interesting because like today the Mona Lisa is the most famous painting on earth, but at the time of the theft, it wasn't a really well-known work at all. Uh, unless you were really like deep in the art community, like you, like the Mona Lisa wasn't anything special. Uh, when Da Vinci was like, he was still very popular as an artist, but most of his, most of the attention on that went to, you know, things like the last supper and thing, uh, other works like that. But at the time, like in 1911, like the Mona Lisa wasn't even like the most well-known painting like in the, in the gallery room that it, that it hung up in. And it was so like unremarkable as a painting that the theft wasn't even noticed until 28 hours later. And the, the only reason that it got noticed at all was because a still life artist who came in every day to, to paint the, uh, to paint the, the different galleries and things like that noticed that there were still four bare hooks on the wall where the Mona Lisa had hung. And even then he didn't think it was stolen. He just, he went and asked the security guard. He's like, Hey, I know you guys are working on this project right now, which the Louvre was, uh, they were working on a project to basically photograph all of the works of art in the museum. So every once in a while, like pieces would be taken down, taken to the photography studio, uh, photographed. And when everything came out good, they would go back on the walls and he's like, Hey, like this has been gone for like a day now. Uh, when is this painting going to be put back on display so that I can, you know, include it. He's like, I can't finish my gallery portrait. Like if there's an empty space, like in this frame, like it's going to bug me. And so the security guards, they're like, yeah, we're not really sure. Let's go. And they try to ask. And that is when they discover that the Mona Lisa had been stolen. So it's pretty crazy that that was, that was what it took. It was like some, some amateur guy who noticed it before the museum staff did, which is, is crazy. But as soon as the word of the theft hits the news, the Mona Lisa quickly, like pretty much overnight becomes the most famous painting in the world. France immediately, like they see this as like a national tragedy, like a, a national insult. And so they dispatch a team of over 60 detectives in search for the Mona Lisa, hoping that they're going to be able to bring this like national embarrassment to a quick end. And as far as like suspects, like there's a lot of suspects and there's a lot of wild conspiracy theories that France is floating around at this time. Um, at, Cause this is 1911. So Europe is on the brink of world war one and France actually thinks that maybe German nationals acting on orders from Kaiser Wilhelm, um, stole the art as kind of like a an insult to the French people, basically. Uh, there were other people that thought that um, that a lot of wealthy Americans had started like commissioning art thefts, and that still happens a lot today. But people thought that maybe like J.P. Morgan like paid somebody to steal it because he wanted it to you know hang in one of his like twenty thousand bathrooms, because that that stuff happened a lot. But regardless of all these like crazy conspiracy theories or, you know, leads and things like that, everything that the detectives like checked out led nowhere. And after a week of frantic searching, the, the like the museum was no closer to having found the painting. And so they were forced to reopen without the painting. And this draws huge crowds, like just throngs of spectators. Uh, they start coming in, basically just to see the empty frame, which I kind of like, cause it's, 
like it's kind of embarrassing it's like um if you've ever seen that jamie oliver clip where he like teaches kids like about like nutritious eating and like how gross like chicken nuggets are because it's like oh you know they're just pink slime like it's cooked and deep fried or whatever and all these kids are like ew and then he's like so who still wants chicken nuggets and every single kid raises their hands and just like the look of defeat like i feel like that's the same the same vibe that the louvre had whenever they're like wow our biggest crowd ever what do they want to see oh the stolen painting okay that that seems right and newspapers are running nearly constant stories about the painting as well, offering increasingly larger rewards for the return of the masterpiece. And as buzz for this uh, around the painting is growing, and now it's on the front page of every newspaper in the world, the thieves quickly realize that they're not going to be able to sell this painting like they thought they were going to. And so they actually take a like a steamer trunk, create a false bottom, and hide the wooden canvas in the false bottom of the steamer trunk. And they sit on it, like they hold on to it for like two years because like the streets are still hot. Like they know that they're not going to be able to move this. But after two years, a, a guy finally walks into an art dealer's office in Florence, Italy. And he says that he's looking to sell a painting. So the art dealer looks at it, immediately recognizes it as the Mona Lisa because fun fact Leonardo da Vinci was one of Florence's proudest sons and the river Arno, which flows through Florence is the background of the Mona Lisa. So this art dealer is like, you brought this to my home church, like, like the audacity, right? Like he gets real, he gets real fired up. He's like, yeah, let me, and then he pulls a pawn stars. He's like, yeah, let me go. Uh, I got a friend that deals exclusively with like 16th century uh, Italian masterpieces. So uh, let me bring him in real quick. And they look at the back of the the canvas and there's a stamp that verifies that it is in fact the Mona Lisa, which was housed in the Louvre. And so he kind of, he kind of comes back and he's like, Hey, uh, so my buddy says, this is a uh, super cool painting and it's worth a bunch of money. So I'm going to have to go get that money. So why don't you guys like come back tomorrow and, I should by then be able to to have all the money this painting is worth because you guys are about to be super rich. And the detectives are like, yeah, that's that sounds very good. And they leave. And the the dealer, like to his credit, was like, yeah, just give me like your name and your contact information. And if I get the money early, I'll just bring it to you. And the thieves do that. 30 minutes later, like which is pretty pretty quick response time for police in the 1900s. Uh, 30 minutes later, police arrive at the home of a man named Vincenzo Perugia, and they arrest him for the theft of the Ark, uh, of the Mona Lisa. And it's discovered that Perugia actually worked at the Louvre, and he was the person that built the glass display case for the Mona Lisa. So that's why he was able to take it apart so easily. He knew exactly how it was built because he was the guy that built it and he knew where he basically was perfectly positioned to do this job. And so Perugia and his two accomplices, uh, his accomplices were like a team of brothers named Vincenzo and Michel Lancelotti, which I think is like an Italian version of Lancelot, which is pretty cool. And so basically those were the three guys that stole the painting uh, that I mentioned at the beginning. 
And Perukia was the ringleader. He was kind of the guy that was like, yeah, the, the Mona Lisa, it's beautiful. Like we can get it back. And when police questioned him, he, he admit he confesses like pretty quickly. And he actually like kind of has a, a decent point um, as far as like why he wants to do it. At least, at least his excuse is good. Like I don't, obviously don't steal art, but Perugia claimed that he was acting as a patriot, as like a proud Italian, by returning the uh, the painting to its ancestral home after Napoleon had actually stolen it to hang in his bedroom. So for decades, uh, maybe the, probably like a century or so, Napoleon had stolen the Mona Lisa from Italy because he wanted it to hang in his bedroom, and so. Perugia is basically saying, I'm just bringing this back to Italy. Like this is ours. It was stolen from us and I'm, I'm just taking it back. And that gets a little bit suspicious when you realize he was still like trying to sell it to an art dealer in Florence. But I mean, like maybe, maybe he thought he was going to get like a reward or something like that. Like, I'm not really sure. Cause he, he stuck by that story. Like he always said, no, I was doing this as a, as a patriotic Italian. And, so Perugia gets sentenced to eight months in prison for, for the crime, which is honestly not a bad sentence. Like maybe the judge kind of felt the same way. And he was like, yeah, like that's, it's like, that's not cool, but I, I get why you're doing it. And a few days after the trial of, of Perugia, where he gets sentenced, because again, at the time, like this was front page stuff. Everybody was still obsessed with the painting. Uh, a couple days after he sentenced and after the trial, World War I officially starts. And with that, like all the headlines immediately go to the war and the, the story kind of falls to the wayside. And while the war dominated the headlines, the Mona Lisa never actually leaves the limelight and remains the most famous work of art in the world today. So that is, that's basically the, the whole story of the, the Mona Lisa. It's, it's kind of remarkable that it's because it's a beautiful painting, but if it hadn't have been stolen, it never would have, it never would have, you know, been what it is today, which is kind of, kind of interesting. I can't really think of any, I'm trying to think of other like parallels um, for that. And the only thing I can like maybe think of is like when Kanye West interrupted Taylor Swift at the, at the VMA is like that kept both of them. Like Taylor Swift was going to continue to do great things. And Kanye uh, still had the great, but I think that kept them like in the limelight a little bit more, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just making that up because I can't really think of anything else that would, that would, you know, have this kind of situation going. And I always think that it's a really interesting case because of that. And also because of the fact that, I don't know, it just, it's weird to think of such an iconic painting being stolen so easily. And people have tried to steal it since then, but now the security is like so intense that it's, it's probably, I'm going to say, I can't say impossible. Cause if I say it's impossible, then somebody's going to do it. And that would be, that would be a terrible, terrible blow to the art world. But yeah, that's, that's the story of the 1911 Mona Lisa heist, keeping it short and simple this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I'm I'm probably going to try to put out something in the next two three weeks, uh, just because I always feel the need to, and I and I love putting out good episodes. But if I don't, just know that I'm working on my book. The podcast is not going anywhere, and when we do come back, 
we've got some insanely, insanely exciting um, guests coming up. So I really can't wait for that. And I can't wait for you guys to see this book because I am really, really proud of it. Thank you guys so much for listening, for your support, for your understanding as I, you know, take a break for a little bit. And I can't wait to be back and telling you more stories about cool heists and crimes. And if there's a specific crime or heist or anything that you want to hear about, feel free to reach out. Like you can always contact me. I'm on all the socials at I can steal that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at it's Peter J. And yeah, just let me know what you want to hear. And I love researching these things. I love getting to, to really do some, some cool stuff. So that's going to be it for this week. Thank you guys so much. You guys are just the best. I'm going to, I'm going to stop with that now, but yeah, thank you guys. This has been, I can steal that. We'll be back as soon as possible with another episode. Thank you.